0: From New York Women in Film and Television, this is Shot Callers, a podcast that celebrates the work of women behind the scenes and in front of the camera in film, television, and digital media. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Destiny Lily. I'm really excited to bring you this conversation today. I spoke with Jendra Jarnigan about a month ago. She is a DP, that's a director of photography, and she has worked on some really great projects and she's an inspiring person to talk to. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Um, also, I wanna point out that New York Women in Film and Television, the organization that supports this podcast, is currently having their fall membership drive. So if you're interested in joining NYWIFT, please visit nywift.org join. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Gendra. Thanks for joining us today. I'm here with Gendra Jarnigan. She's a director of photography. Gendra, welcome. Thank you, Destiny. So what originally drew you to working in the industry?
1: When I was 12 years old, uh, seventh grade in middle school, I was uh, invited to a extracurricular gifted and talented uh, creative arts program, and one of the choices uh, was video production, and I didn't really know anything about it, but it sounded interesting. and, and this is 1986; was very unusual for uh, video to be made available to middle school students. Unlike now, where it's obviously pervasive in our culture. Uh, So I, I remember going there the first day, and it was the local public access station in Cranston, Rhode Island, where I grew up, and there were all of these people doing these interesting jobs, and... Uh, I, as a 12-year-old, you know, you're thinking, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the the options that have been presented to you are either things you've seen on TV or things you've read in books, you know, doctor, lawyer, astronaut, fireman, veterinarian, etc. It never occurred to me that people worked in TV stations and people made movies. So as soon as I saw all these people, I was like, oh, wow, I want to make movies. And even though it wasn't a movie-making movie making opportunity. It was related to that, but I always loved books and storytelling. I was a big bookworm as a child and I loved photography. I had a, a still camera and even a super eight camera from a very young age. Um, even though me playing around with super eight, it didn't occur to me about making movies for a living. It was just a fun family movies thing to do. Uh, so I got really lit up by the, by the idea uh, of making movies and, uh, turned out I was good at it. My, my, uh, mentor there. Uh, his name is Mark Cavanaugh. I've lost touch with him because there's too many people on the internet named Mark Cavanaugh. <laughs> haven't been able to find him, but I would love to let him know the influence that he's had on my life. If anyone knows Mark Cavanaugh from Cranston, Rhode Island, that was a mentor at Cox Cable in 1986, please uh, <laughs> reach out and put me in touch. Uh, so uh yeah i I stayed in that program for um the three years of middle school and then continued it through high school i don't remember if my high school offered it or if i invented it as a program to to stay in that and i remember like inventing some independent studies with my high school there's like a certain teacher there who liked video and it's like oh let's buy an editing system for the for the high school and so i would shoot Um, dance performances and and, um, school plays and pretty much any of the community events that that I could around the high school and I became like the video person. Explain your role. What does a DP do? So the director of photography collaborates with the director and they're the one who knows most of the uh, technical know-how of how to execute a shot. A director needs to know what they want and they need to know how to communicate it, but they don't need the production experience to know we need this kind of lights or these kind of lenses or uh, these kind of shots even or this much time or we need a crane for this. Some directors have a sense of that and some know that stuff and some who are very experienced certainly have a sense of it. but. Um, it's really the, the DP who has all the technical knowledge and knows the difference between an Alexa camera and a RED camera and a Sony F55 camera. Um, so they're really the, the technicians in, in, in terms of the uh, execution of the director's vision. So the director will normally uh, focus on the actors and the performance on, on set and the DP will, will focus on the crew and the setups and the camera and that's all based on uh, the time spent together with the director in pre-production to know what the director wants mm-hmm. so when we get there i already know what to do i have a sense of what i'm going to do it might change um you know it's good to be open to new possibilities but in discussing things in advance when you have time when you are away from the craziness. Uh, when you can have lengthy, if you want, one-on-one discussions with the director, that's where I get inside the director's head. So then we, when we get on set, the director already trusts that I know what they want. And so we can sor- sort of divide and conquer that they can go work with the actors and I can go work with the crew You know, in conjunction with the assistant director um, to, uh, to make the, the director's shots uh, happen.
0: Great, great. So, what types of projects have you worked on, like film, television? Tell me a little bit about your work.
1: The majority of my experience has been in independent feature films, uh, some web series as well. Uh, I'm doing more episodic television, which I'd like. I, I've been doing recently, and and looking to do more of. Uh, I've done some commercials, some music videos, some documentaries some industrial videos, Mm -hmm. um, some art installations, some off-Broadway shows that have video components, so a a little bit of everything, but but movies and TV is, is my primary focus.
0: So how does your work change when you're doing something that's narrative
1: versus doing something that's documentary? Documentary is much more spontaneous because you don't have control over what's happening. I mean, if, if you're just shooting a, a sit-down interview, that's very straightforward and, and and sort of obvious. You can imagine what that's like, but if you're following people around in their everyday lives or shooting anything verite or, or documenting, you know, an event or a day in someone's life as they, you know, do their thing that they do that makes them worthy of making a documentary about them, um, you... You really have to go with the flow and you can't stop what they're doing to make, make them do it again because you know the lighting wasn't great or, uh, or you weren't in the right place. So you really have to think on your feet uh, and, and that actually teaches you a lot of good, good skills and I really admire a lot of uh, really good documentary cinematographers. My preference and my passion is more on the narrative side. Um, What lights me up about being a cinematographer is uh, creating and collaborating and interpreting a script. So taking the words on the page, the story as a jumping off point, and then discussing and creating through pre-production with the director, the ideas, the... You know, bouncing ideas back and forth and, and you know, e- expanding on something and, and uh, shifting and molding till, till you get to a point where you feel like both of you are contributing to one another and that the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and making decisions, creative decisions of how you want to tell this story. Um, so that, that's mostly done in, in pre production where that's where you're going to figure out. Which tools you need, how much time you need, Um, if you have limited time, um, which most things do, uh, how are you going to allocate that time, where your priorities are, what what things are time consuming but worth it, what things are too kind too time consuming to be worth it, so coming up with an alternative, Um, all that creative process of of the pre production um, is is what I like the best, and then of course being on set where you get to do what you want you, you get to make it how you want you get to light it how you want you get to do other takes until you feel like you got it um and when everything comes together it's exciting and and beautiful and and uh yeah it's narrative and documentary are very very different in that way but 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 uh narrative is my preference for all the reasons that i just went through but then documentary also has its other great sides like international travel or if if you think you're watching a two-hour documentary um, that's really interesting because they're talking about this really specific topic the people who made it shot hundreds of hours of, of discussion on that topic so right. it's like you can become an expert in something new by by shooting a documentary about something so so that's fun too
0: right yeah that's awesome I was Curious, so you're more drawn toward narrative projects. Are there certain genres that you're more interested in, or is it working with certain people? Like what is it that you're passionate about in your work?
1: I really like genres that are um offbeat or quirky, like quirky indie comedies. Um I like films that are not set in reality. Um not to say that I don't like films that are set in reality, but there's more creative freedom when you are removed from the constraints of reality. So if if you're gonna light two people sitting by a window in a coffee shop during the day, you know light during the day coming through window does what light does. So you, of course, you have some leeway there about you know how contrasty is it? Is it sunny? Is it cloudy? Is it late in the day? Is it warm? Is it cold? You certainly have. Uh, loud sirens going by no. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly have um, a certain amount of leeway in, in how you interpret a scene visually but light still light still follows the laws of physics whereas if you're shooting a fantasy a horror, a psychological thriller, you can make stuff up that, that looks cool, that looks creative, that helps you tell your story in a unique or innovative way that, that the, the light doesn't need to do what the light does it at 4 p.m. On a, on a sunny afternoon. You can make it green, you can make it moving, you can make it uh, dark. You can, do what, you can do whatever you want if, if you don't have to deal with reality. So I, I like, I'm, I'm drawn to stories that afford those creative opportunities. Otherwise I like stories that are socially progressive, maybe showing a different point of view Um, like I I did a a web series called In Between Men about gay characters, and that was really rewarding to have, uh, such a big audience of, of people around the world, people in other countries who had never seen gay men in New York functioning like, uh, normal, normal's such a horrible word. Um. But, like, for example, comments from people in Saudi Arabia to see men who are gay, who are out, who are out functioning in the world and not hiding that they're gay and meeting, having a community of other people who are gay that, that they, people, we've got so many comments on YouTube from people who that is so not their reality that it really inspires them to know that that's possible, to know that that can exist in the world and uh, you know, being a part of creating something like that is, is really meaningful.
0: That's great. Do you have, um, any examples of projects that you've worked on that were, um, like you said, like quirkier or didn't necessarily, weren't necessarily set, like, in like the real world that,
1: you know, you could talk about a little bit? I did a uh, supernatural suspense thriller, we called it an alien ghost story, uh, called The Carrier, and that was really fun to work on, um, and it was also really creative visually for me, it's very different than any of the other work that I had had opportunity to do. Um, unfortunately it hasn't been released anywhere, the, the directors are uh, shopping it around as a, a pilot and a uh, um, and, and so it, it's not available to see, other than just seeing a, a trailer for it uh, on my website. Uh, but it was, it was, you know, a really fun example of, of uh, doing whatever you wanted visually. That's awesome. So
0: you're a member of NYWIFT. Mm-hmm. I'm a member of NYWIFT. Um, how have organizations that you've been a part of, like NYWIFT, but also other organizations, unions, anything... How has being a part of an organization, um, had
1: an impact on your career? Uh, NYWIFT is great cause they have so many events and, uh, it's great to meet people, but it's also great to learn things all the time. And of course, all the film screenings in, you know, getting to see more movies and even hear about more movies and the newsletters and hearing more about what's going on in the industry. Um, in terms of direct impact, um, i really like the women below the line party that happens every year Mm -hmm. i always meet really great people there um costume designers editors um thelma schumacher uh, martin scorsese's editor was Mm -hmm. uh, the guest of honor a few years ago so i'd never had the opportunity to meet her before um a script supervisor that i had heard of but never met in person who has now become a director i met her at that party martha pinson Oh, um, right, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just a a great uh, a great organization and, and great opportunities to uh, to meet a lot of people working in the industry that you wouldn't otherwise meet if you you know weren't working on whatever show that they were working on. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: is there, is there a union for, for DPs? Mm-hmm. Are you a part of that union? Yep. So I'm I'm a, also, I'm a
1: member of uh, Local 600, the International Cinematographers Guild. Um, I'm also a part of the educational committee for Local 600, um, which is a new, um, I just hooked up with being a part of that recently, so I haven't done anything concretely Mm -hmm. for them yet, uh, other than I've attended a lot of their events in the past, so I'm looking forward to being Mm -hmm. able to contribute more to, to, to those events in the future. Um, they have a lot of film screenings, uh... I've been on some panels for them. Um, Their newsletter is really great um, in terms of uh, keeping up with the industry. Uh, Certainly you need to be in the union to work on the bigger projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's about all I can think to say about that.
0: (laughs) No, that's great. That's plenty. I think that um, a lot of people even in the industry don't realize You know how involved people are with like unions and different organizations so i think it's important to you know kind of understand how those things function um what's the best piece of advice you've received or what do you wish you'd known years ago or you could answer both if you want
1: the best piece of advice i ever received was actually as a teenager before i entered the industry but when i was interested in the industry and I didn't know how true it was because I had no exposure to the reality of, of the industry at the time, but it's really turned out to be true. And, and my mentor in, the, uh, in the, the high school program that I was in said that the entertainment industry is so hard and so challenging to make a living that you should absolutely not pursue a career in the entertainment industry unless you're absolutely convinced that there's nothing else that you could possibly do that you would be satisfied doing. And I was like, wow, that's, that's rough. You know, <laughs> that, what a horrible <laughs> piece of advice. But I believed him to some degree and, and I gave it some thought and, and as my career progressed and it had its challenges and, and I would, I would think that through from time to time be like, is there anything else that I, could do? Is there anything else that I would enjoy doing? Especially after September 11th, there was no work in New York for, for close to a year. And we ended up living off of our savings, my husband and I, and we both were like, okay, is work ever going to return to New York? It it was such an unsure time, uh, in the world and in New York. And, uh, we're like, do we need to move? Do we need to move to LA? Do we need to move to Canada? Which was a, a big production hotspot at that time. Uh, do we need to find something else to to do for a living? Mm -hmm. And uh, the more we questioned what else could we do, the more we couldn't come up with anything, the more (laughs) we were both convinced that it was the right thing for us to be doing, Mm -hmm. despite uh, the hardships and challenges. Um, Another piece of advice that I often give, that no one really gave me, but I sort of figured out for myself, Uh, as a freelancer, it's important to keep your overhead low. To right. keep your expenses low. Because if you are working for a while and you're making a decent living and you take on an expensive apartment and you have a car loan and you get used to a certain lifestyle of disposable income or you've like gotten hooked on Frappuccino lattes at $6 a pop or something, <laughs> Like that, that earning that you have gotten used to could disappear overnight, and so living beneath your means, keeping a lot of money in the bank, uh, is is good career security. Mm-hmm. Like having having money in the bank lets you choose the projects that you want to do instead of I'm broke and have to take this thing that is being offered to me that I'm really not enthusiastic about or is really not in keeping with my career goals because I don't want to lose my apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, living, you know, not living in Williamsburg or not, you know, not (laughs) living in the most expensive parts of town and having a lower overhead um, actually really helps your career options as as you make choices as a freelancer of what's going to pay off for you in the long run. Yeah, and it gives you the
0: freedom to say no if you need to, which Mm -hmm can be tough if you need money coming in all the time. No, I totally, totally agree. Um, What do you enjoy most about your work?
1: It's funny how I didn't know myself well enough as a kid, picking this as something that I thought that I would want to do, how well suited it really is to my personality. (laughs) Um, I mean, I was getting a sense that it was suited to my talents as I was learning what my talents were at that age, but... The social aspect of it is, um, has become something that really matters to me. And and when I was thinking through, like I referred to in an answer to a previous question about what else could I possibly do besides this if I didn't do this, I really picked apart what is it, what aspects of this job do I enjoy the most so I could try and find other jobs that might share those aspects. Mm-hmm. and. Um, The collaboration, the creative collaboration is certainly the most important to me. Um, I know that directing is not for me. I'm much better at supporting someone else's vision than coming up with my own vision from scratch. Like I'm not a, I'm not an idea originator from, from zero. Mm -hmm. Give me a script, give me a jumping off point and I can be really creative um, once I've had a spark. But I, I know people who are idea people who just like pull ideas out of the ether and I'm just amazed at, at their, um, ability to do that. And I just like, okay, that's, that's not me, but I'm I'm impressed with that. But, Mm -hmm. um, so creative collaboration, how social it is, um, travel, um, the, uh, variety of circumstances and, um, there's a word that I'm looking for. Uh, it's never boring it, it's, it's not routine I, I, I couldn't handle being in an office job where you're with the same people in the same building uh, for the same amount of hours for an infinite amount of time you know I, variety that's what I'm looking for mm-hmm. uh, the variety of, of, uh, of circumstances and places and people um, yeah those are all the things that I and creating beauty what do you wish people understood
0: better about your job? Like you said, like, a lot of the time people don't necessarily know what a DP does, so there might just be a big learning curve just to be like, this is what I do. But are there aspects of your job that people often don't understand, or is there something that you'd like to set the record straight on about DPs?
1: I hate being called a shooter. Um, the term shooter to me is really undermines the... Uh, the artistry, the practice, the craft, the years of experience that it takes to be a director of photography and makes it seem like anyone who knows how to operate a video camera can like turn it on and point it at something and be called a shooter. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that there's definitely been a devaluing of the DP, the respect that DPs get over the years, with the democratization of filmmaking and people just thinking that anyone can buy a you know DSLR and a laptop with Final Cut and call themselves a filmmaker, um, and yes, you're making things, but that's very different than someone who's spent you know fifteen years being an electrician and learning lighting and working on crews of a hundred people and. You know, studying uh, the history of cinema and art and visual language, and I, I, I guess setting the record straight is how much pre-production things take. Mm-hmm. Like how important the importance of prep that a movie is made in prep, and how much thought and effort actually goes in to setting up a shot. It's not just waving a camera around and and capture. It. Like I've even posted some of my photography. You know, just still photos on Facebook or Instagram, people are like, nice capture, like as if it's an accident, Mm -hmm. as if it's Mm -hmm. uh, um, even just that word capture, it just sounds so accidental and casual. Um, So yeah, I guess that's something that I wish people understood better. That they saw like
0: all of the skill that goes into it, that it's not happenstance that you Mm -hmm. have this shot with this light, with the way that it looks. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. So, um, for someone who is looking to get started um, as a DP, how would you suggest that they get started?
1: I've found it immensely valuable the years of experience that I had in the lighting department. I was an electrician and a gaffer for many years as a side job while I was working my way up to the, you know, shooting freebies to get to the point where I had enough experience and enough of a reel that people would actually pay me consistently enough to start to make a living as a DP. Um, So, working as an electrician, I learned so much about lighting, I learned so much about um, set operations, about crew, about departments, about leadership, uh, about logistics. uh, That's really informed um, my art of lighting for sure, but also my confidence in terms of uh, knowing that if I got an opportunity to work, walk onto a bigger set that I will know what to do, that I know, you know, when to talk to the set dressers versus the props, and I know, you know, what, when to lean on the AD and when to deal with stuff on my own, or um, even politics and the, you know, diplomacy that goes along with, with being a DP and yeah, really the, the politics um, that I've gotten to witness through years and years of working on bigger sets. Uh, so my advice is is to, to do a stint in the lighting department. Um, if lighting's not for you, then you could be an AC, you could even be a PA. But being on bigger sets um, really teaches you a lot uh, to see how other people do it instead of you know just making it up as you go along and, and hoping for the best. Um, Every every time I was an electrician, I would learn from every gaffer that I worked with as well as every DP that I worked with. And when I was a gaffer, I would learn from the DPs and from the directors. And um, I've just, I've seen so much uh, that I have a, a deep well of, of, of lighting knowledge and a lot of um, tricks in my bag of tricks of, mm-hmm. of, of how to light that... Uh, that i've learned through years and years of, of exposure to that um, and i think that's really important the, the art of cinematography is, is about lighting and if you don't know lighting then um, i think people hit a wall in terms of their growth uh, as, a, as a dp you, you could be a, a talented uh, dp in film school and um, you know have a good eye and, and experiment in a low pressure situation and come up with some good stuff but when you need to deliver on set, on schedule, on time, you know, and know what you're going to do and know that it's going to work and, uh, know how to deal with the pressure. Um, you know, having seen it done by, by people who've been doing it longer than you is a very valuable experience. Are there any, um, DPs
0: whose work you admire or who, you know, maybe influenced your work in
1: some way? Um, of course, everyone loves Roger Deakins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been jokes. Actually, I went to the uh, ASC Awards one year, and Roger Deakins was nominated for two of the five films that were nominated, and they <laughs> said next year we're going to introduce a category for uh, best film not shot by Roger Deakins, <laughs> just to, to even it out so that he doesn't just like use up one or two slots every year. Yeah. Um, so yes of course i love roger deacon's work he's he's very versatile he's always doing different things and it's always awesome um claudio miranda i really like his work and um he has been a mentor to me um uh in the past and uh that was a great experience um conrad hall who i never had the opportunity to meet um i certainly love watching his work and find it really um inspiring and you know some sort of, like, next-level shit if we, can, if we can curse. We can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh, there's so many. Uh, Rodrigo Prieto was, a, was also a, a mentor of mine for a period of time. Um, uh, love, love his work and, and his versatility and his emotionality um, to his work. Uh, Vilmos Zygmunt... Um, yeah, well, there's lots, lots, of, lots of DPs that you can learn a lot, learn a lot from, from, uh, studying their work. It's awesome. Um,
0: so, it's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, that most DPs are male. Um, have you faced any challenges as a woman DP?
1: if I've ever been discriminated against as a woman DP, it has not been to my face. So I don't know about it. Um, if anyone ever didn't hire me because I was a woman or was concerned of my ability to do the job because of their views of, of what a woman is capable of, it's, it's not anything that's ever been expressed to me. So I've never, I've never faced anything overt. Um, I have instead had the opposite positive experience of a lot of people supporting me in my career because people like to support the underdog. Um, A lot of people think it's great and amazing and exciting when they meet a woman DP because they haven't met one before or they um, know so few of them or they think that it's great that someone is um, succeeding in a a pathway that is uh, considered to be an uphill battle, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of support from vendors and manufacturers in terms of um, getting equipment, either to test or um, for some passion projects that I get support from from different companies. Uh, I get a lot of press. Um, mm-hmm. My name is Jendra, it's not Tom or Michael <laughs> or John. So yeah. when you hear my name, if you've heard it before, you probably remember it if you hear it again. Um, so that's very helpful. Um, being the, uh, being the, the rarity, you know, help, helps you stick out is, is good, good for publicity. And of course, being a freelance business, people need to have heard of you. Um, I think a lot of women, um, like listen out for other women DPs to know Mm -hmm. who else is out there and what they're doing. So I I think I get more attention because I'm a woman DP. Mm -hmm. So if there are any negatives to it, I think there's just as many, if not more, positives to it. Um, in terms of it being a rarity, I definitely see that shifting where, you know, I'm in my 40s and the women who became, who came before me in their 50s and 60s, it's like if you look at, look at it by decade, you know, it, it takes a long time to get established as a DP. There's a, it's a huge responsibility. People don't hire you for bigger budget projects until you have a real proven track record so mm-hmm. like the most successful dps are historically like don't really start getting bigger projects until their 40s you know mm-hmm. there have been a few exceptions where really talented people had a breakout film early in their 20s or 30s and and uh were given an opportunity and and really stepped up to the plate and career took off but in general it takes a long time to get established as a dp so you know, it's only starting to happen now that if you look at the women before me, that there were less of them. And then mm-hmm. if you look at women in their 40s, there's there's more of them. And you look at women in their 30s, there's way more of them. Mm-hmm. And then you look at women in their 20s, there's way more of them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the, the tide is shifting. I mean, I don't know how long it'll take before it's uh, equal, but mm-hmm. there are definitely more and more... Um, in the younger generation, and, and I think part of that is that as people who are making the hiring decisions, whether that's directors or producers or even studio executives, the, the younger they get, or if you will, the, the older people who have retired and then other people, let's say they're in their 30s and they're coming to their own in their career because they've been out of film school for enough time that they have enough experience, that they're in a decision-making process now, You know, even if it's men in their 30s at this point were raised by working moms and during Mm -hmm. the period of women's lib where their mothers, as well as their fathers who were supportive of their working mothers, have taught their children, men and women children, that, that there is no reason to think differently in terms of the professional capabilities or leadership or technical or whatever the traditional reasons that people thought that women weren't as good as men at these kinds of jobs that that's all dissolving as uh as generations are replacing the older generations Mm -hmm. that have that kind of, of thinking that they grew up with
0: um so i'd like to talk to you a little bit
1: about your work what is there that you could tell us about that listeners could support um uh so in between men is now on um amazon prime Uh, if you go to Amazon Prime Video and search for In Between Men, it's available by the episodes. That's great. Yeah. We'll definitely check that out. Um, we'll put
0: a link to that in the show notes. Thank you. And, um, can you recommend any films or TV shows, especially those created by or featuring women that you,
1: that you like and that you think listeners should check Mm -hmm. out? Well, In Between Men that I just mentioned was, um, directed by a woman. Uh, Jennifer Gelfer, uh, the creator, writer, producer is a, a gay man, but the director was a woman. Um, so they, they're sort of co-creators of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the content and of, of the um, story. Another series that I shot was called Puppy Love, uh, from the writers and producers of Sex in the City. I believe that's still on Hulu, and uh, that was also uh, all, nearly all women, almost all of the directors were women. Um, all of the writers I think were women mm-hmm. and the showrunner uh, and creator was a woman and the co-executive producer was a woman that mm-hmm. was that was a great uh, experience that was a, the first time I worked on a um, an episodic series it was also the first time I worked with so many women creators um, I have a, a film coming up that uh i if that was going one of the questions you're gonna ask of what <laughs> do I have coming up next um Called Knockout Girls. It's a uh, action film, a uh, female mixed martial arts uh, action comedy. Yes. And uh, one of the things I like best about the script is that the um, the fighters, the the main characters, the women. Unlike Girl Fight or Million Dollar Baby, they are not struggling to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. They, it, it, this film just exists in a world where these women are fighting, and because yeah. they are, and because they, they want to, yeah. and that's all of the story points have nothing to do with with justifying that or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being a you know a challenge or unusual or anything. It's just it, that's just what the story is, and, and I really like that aspect of it. But it's very matter of fact like here here's these women characters that are uh martial artists yeah you know? <laughs> that's awesome great jendra
0: thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me shot Colors is brought to you by new york women in film and television to find out more visit NyWiff.org. shot colors is produced by me destiny lily and the music is by Lisa
1: Brigantino.